Thank you for listening to this Belly Up Sports Podcast Network product. Some said we go belly up, so we made it our name. And we're still here. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. to another episode of the Backdoor Cut Show. You can find us on Twitter at Backdoor Cut Show and wherever you uh, get your podcasts, subscribe to the Barnburner Podcast Network and give us a review there. Today, you got myself, Zach, Sam, and Mason. Uh, Rich not with us today. He said he was at the Titans game. He's not feeling so good after that loss. He said he lost his voice and everything, and he just needed some time to collect his thoughts. So you just got the three of us today. Uh, Sam, how's it going, man? I'm good, man. I'm enjoying a White Claw, a Black Cherry. It's delicious. They're uh, in such demand now that the company itself has run out of stock. So hopefully the White Claw guys are busy at work this weekend making delicious alcoholic seltzer water. Uh, they also don't sponsor us, but you're welcome yeah. for that free ad. That was a pretty good free plug there. I'm good. Yeah, I'm Our doing well, man. needs to reach out. Uh, what what I've been watching, I always like to talk a little bit about. Finish the second season of Mindhunter. That's really good. If uh, if anyone hasn't watched that, it's a David Fincher directed kind of true crime serial killer show. Uh, so that's worth checking out. And then Succession, I think, is one of the funniest shows on TV and one of the most well rounded shows on TV. Is Barry with Bill Hader, my guy, and then a low key underdog of one of the better shows on TV is Atlanta with uh, Childish Gambino, Donald Glover as the main character about the rap scene in Atlanta. So that's uh, that's my little diatribe about TV right now. I'm doing well. Looking forward to doing a quick basketball talk. Mason, what's going on? Oh, man, just enjoying a good Sunday of football. My fantasy teams are going 3-0, and so that's always a good day. Uh, the Tigers got a big win yesterday, and they moved to 3-0 and on the football field. Uh, so excited to see what the future has for them. 
And then uh, we're less than a month away from training camp, Memphis Madness, and basketball getting into full swing. Uh, it seems like football just got started and baseball is coming to an end, but uh, basketball is right around the corner, and I can't wait. Yeah, it's the, we've had the void for so long. We've had a couple interesting things happen recently that involved the Grizzlies. Obviously, uh, the FIBA World Cup just concluded. So shout out to Big Spain. No, another championship for him with Spain this time, actually. But pretty awesome for him. Uh, pretty not awesome for Team USA and their showing. We'll get into that in a little bit. But uh, another development with the Grizzlies roster. Uh, in a crunch right now. Got too many guys. Getting to that point where we're going to have to make some decisions. But Shams last week decided to just, like, get everyone riled up. I'm pretty sure that most NBA fans were just looking for something to get riled up. The, like, Carmelo's not on a roster thing has kind of uh, run its course, maybe. I don't know. Or people are just bored with it for now. So now it's the Memphis is holding Iggy captive, Andre Iguodala, because they they won't just, uh, won't just, you know, release him and let him go wherever he wants to go. They're holding out, trying to get something, whether, whether it's a trade or, like, some sort of concession and a buyout. Uh, and Shams came out with the tweet that, like, tried to just make the whole universe feel bad for him. I thought that was kind of silly, but what do you guys think? Mason, what would your take on that? Well, I mean, that Shams tweet was written by Iggy's agent. Um, you know, I, Shams used to get, like, Grizzlies news, and now he doesn't, unless it involves Chandler Parsons or uh, something that kind of, like, paints the Grizzlies front office in a bad light. Um, so... It is what it is, the way he worded it. Um, and you're right, it's just that time of year where you're looking for clicks and you're trying to generate interest right now. Um, it's not that is we in Memphis know that it's not that big of a deal. It's not as big as it seems. Um, the, what we're talking about here is $17 million. Like We're not talking about a guy making $5 million or $7 million and we're having to buy out that contract. This is $17 million, so... Of course, you're going to hold on to it longer than you would a contract of lesser value. And I think the Grizzlies are doing the right thing, holding on to Iggy. Eventually, when teams are allowed to package players uh, in December and January that were signed in this offseason, I think we'll see a team make a move and trade for him. We may not get a first-round pick, but the Grizzlies will get something in return, and that's better than nothing, you know. It, like, is doing that, does that damage our NBA reputation at all? I mean, is there any sort of negative repercussion to doing the savvy business move? I don't think so. I mean, I'm sure you'll find someone who could put some words together that might make you think that way, but I don't think in the grand scheme of things it really matters. You know, you can say, oh, he's the VP of the Players Union and blah, 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 but I don't think anyone's going to remember it, you know, next summer or two years from now. So does Honestly, he suit up? I mean, is or is he? Do we keep him kind of at a distance so he's not in the locker room being all negative and shit? Yeah, no, I think you just tell him to stay home. Honestly, like, isn't this best case scenario for him? Like, he gets to chill for several months. He's not trying to play the whole season now, anyway. As Draymond said, he's a sixteen-player guy at this point, so. It's really to his benefit to wait as, until as late as possible in the season, then kind of get warmed up towards the end of the season to be on all cylinders once the playoffs come. Personally, that's how I feel about it. Well, I mean, 
best case scenario for him would be him getting bought out, making most of that money, and then being able to choose where he goes instead of potentially ending up in Orlando or Miami or a team that's not going to have a chance to play for a title. You know. Yeah, yeah the but- trade presumption is assuming that we trade him somewhere that's a title contender. Yeah, which is former team who he won a NBA Finals MVP for and contributed many championship winning plays. Uh, send him to Memphis, who's rebuilding. You know, the Grizzlies did right by Mark Gasol. Sent him to Toronto. They sent Mike Conley to Utah for a chance to compete in the loaded Western Conference. But Golden State just sent Iggy to a rebuilding Memphis team and basically said, hey, you're not our problem anymore. Um, I don't I don't think that is getting talked about enough in the grand scheme of national media. I, you know, the local Grizzlies fans have brought it up, but I don't think because they are the darlings of the league, I don't think it's getting talked about as much as it should be, uh, to, you know, because the Grizzlies aren't in the wrong here. The Golden State Golden Boys. Mason, I just want you to know I stole your take on this uh, and told our mailroom guy, guy by the name of Callaway Bain. He's a reverend. He's also in charge of our mailroom. Awesome guy. Always stops by my office to talk about basketball. And because we often talk about basketball, I get to sound like I know way more than because I essentially distill our three opinions into one opinion that I tell him. So he calls right. me Dr. Sam. When he sits down in my office, he closes the door and says, Dr. Sam, what do you think about Iggy? And so I told him everything. I'm pretty sure I just read it off my phone. Uh, and I did not give you uh, credit for that. But I just want to say now, if Callaway, if you're listening, shouts to Mason. That was his opinion. Uh, love you, Callaway. <laughs> I got no other take besides what Mason has on Iggy. I thought that was excellent. And I mean, it's a, it's a frustrating tweet to read from Shams. And he kind of comes across as a little bit of a clown with respect to the between him and Woj, right? I, I just feel like one's drastically more professional than the other. I mean, I, I just can't see Woj tweeting something like that. Um, but maybe not. Maybe he has done that in the past. I mean, in the grand scheme of things, he is like half of Woj's age. So maybe he's still just trying to learn some things. I don't know. Yeah, I'm just waiting on him to accidentally fire off a dick pic that he meant to send to some chick and then get me too'd or something. But who knows? It feels like he's lost some of his sources around the league, and he's not getting as much news as he was when he first broke into the league, I feel like. Yeah. Maybe he's rubbed some people the wrong way, uh, you know, could let a few things go, maybe that he wasn't supposed to, something like that. So now he's, when he does get news, he's trying to make it to be as big a deal as possible to try to keep up with the Woaches and Steins and Shelbournes of the world. In a very unfortunate series of events, the original audio from our recording the other night was totally eaten by the internet. So you got me, Zach. I'm going to finish out the show on my own. Um, the next topic that we covered as a group was Team USA finishing seventh in the FIBA World Cup. So obviously a very disappointing finish. As a fan of the U.S., it's honestly really hard to get emotionally invested in in this tournament, especially when the players themselves are not emotionally invested. So guys just backing out at the last minute, whether due to legit injuries or for just not really wanting to play, really makes it a hard thing to, you know, especially get up and watch when it's going to be at like 3.30, 5.30, 6 o'clock in the morning on a weekday. That takes a lot of commitment, so it's hard for me to get worked up and excited to watch those games when we really don't even have the best players in our country out there competing. The tough thing to swallow is that playing international basketball these days with the roster that the USA put out there with guys like Kimba, Chris Middleton, Harrison Barnes, Miles Turner on the court, 
on any given day, and depending on what country we're playing, the side across the court could have the advantage, especially when you're looking at guys like Giannis, teams like Spain that have guys like Rubio, Marcus Saul, you know, NBA high caliber players who either are in their prime or are a little bit past their prime, but still very competitive players, even in the NBA. That being said, it is super exciting for Marcus Saul to win two championships within the same calendar year. I mean, I don't even know what that feels like, but he's got to be on cloud nine right now. You don't have to look very far to see just how much fun he's having. Just go to his Instagram page, and he's just like slamming beers on that float like it's his job. But kind of looping that back to the Grizzlies, I think one of the more disappointing things about this FIBA group was that, you know, Jaron Jackson Jr. was on the select team. Uh, He didn't make the final cut for the roster, but he's such a dynamic player. He can play so many different positions. He can impact the game defensively. Like, why would you not want a a young seven-footer who's exciting, big social media presence, like by all accounts a really fun, good guy? Why would you not want him on the team uh, when you just got a lot of other guys that really blend in? I mean, even like Harrison Barnes, Miles Turner, whichever Plumlee was on the team, those guys really are not exciting players. They are on teams, but they're not impact players. They're not faces of any of their franchises. And I think that's really a key thing to get people excited and to bring FIBA basketball to be kind of as important to Americans as the Olympics are. You have to have some faces of franchises on those teams. Now, I understand why guys who are uh, creeping up over 30 may not want to play. You know, they've had several go arounds, you know, on a four year cycle to play on these rosters. And at this point, I really understand that load management is key and maintaining their body, especially when a lot of those very good players, you know, the superstar players are trying to compete for a championship as they're getting into the twilight of their careers. As Jonathan Sharks from The Ringer uh, pointed out in an article that he posted right when the World Cup was wrapping up, it's time for a new generation of American basketball player to get excited and be the face of the Olympic and World Cup teams in order to get excitement behind the teams and also give them a chance to kind of take that next step in popularity and be seen in front of people, just be the face of something. Uh, the guys that he specifically mentioned were Devin Booker, Zion Williamson, Jaron Jackson, and Trey Young. He's like, just think about the dynamic of those four guys on the court. Like, Booker can, he's a great shooter, he's a great scorer. Yeah, you might think that he's a good stats, bad team guy, and that might be why he's had such good numbers so far in his career. But get, this will give him a chance for everyone to see whether that's true or not. I think if you listen to this show enough, you realize that Most of us are fans of Devin Booker, and I think he's one of those guys that you hate him if he's not on your team, but if he is on your team, then you're pretty excited about it. Whether or not he likes being double teamed in practice, um, you know, we'll give him a pass on that, only if he's on your team. If not, that's definitely something you're going to make fun of, but I digress. Just thinking about team chemistry, you have Trey Young, who's becoming – Already after one season, such a dynamic point guard, incredible passer, can create for people, shoot from anywhere. Like, that's the kind of guy that build this kind of talent around him. 
you can take a deep run in FIBA and kind of restore your team to where it has been in the past. Jaron, obviously, you know, he can do everything, step out from the step out from the goal, play with his back to the basket, impact, uh, guard the rim on defense, drive past plenty of defenders. And then you have someone like Zion who already, you know, he played one year of college and the media hype and just the mania that followed him that entire time and will continue to follow him into New Orleans. He may not, may not be a shooter at this point. That's not what he's known for. He's mostly known for his electrifying dunks, his ability to get to the rim, play above the rim. But if you have him on a team with guys like Booker, Jaron, Trey Young, who are able to stretch the floor, just imagine him playing sort of that Giannis role where hyper-athletic guy is going to try to get to the rim, distribute, kick out to the other guys on his team who are able to help. Like, if you got those four young guys who I think Booker's the oldest at 23, 24, something like that, and the rest are like 20 years old, you do two cycles with them, and that completely changes the face of everything that happened this year. So it'll be interesting to see uh, kind of what happens going forward with these selection teams. I know that sometimes it takes a kick in the rear to get things back on track. So we'll see what Colangelo has in store for us. Um, And hopefully the product next time is more exciting for the fans. All right, switching gears just a little bit to Penny Hardaway, Memphis Tigers basketball, something that we're all interested at this point. So the fall recruiting period opened up last week on Monday, and it's been – an incredible week. It's just fun to see Memphis's name being thrown around with a lot of these high-level prospects that if you think back to the Tubby days, we were getting like someone who was ranked 150 would have been like the highest prospect in the class. Things are just totally changed. It's just a fun time. So I want to cover a couple of the moves. Uh, No commitments or anything yet for the classes of 2020 or 2021 for uh, Penny just yet, but Some of the classes in other schools are actually filling up pretty quickly. Uh, Kentucky, we'll start there. Uh, They got a commitment this week from Terrence Clark, who was a – he's a shooting guard out of Massachusetts. He was one of the top players in the class of 2021. And Memphis was in the mix for him. And Penny Hardaway was actually – had a visit scheduled to go and see Clark, but – canceled that visit because he caught wind that Cal Perry was going to get him. And that, that did in fact end up happening on Saturday. Clark uh, did give a verbal commit to Kentucky. He also reclassified to the class or is going to reclassify to the class of 2020, which he's already ranked, uh, been bumped up to number four in that class. And that's a class younger or sorry, older than he was previously in. So the type of player he is just, you know, he's phenomenal. Um, that really does change the dynamic of kind of what Memphis was doing. They were uh, originally looking to him, trying to recruit him as a point guard. A lot of places have him going as a wing. Uh, so we'll see what Cal does there in Kentucky. But what this does do is it gives Memphis a better chance to go for the number three prospect in a class of 2020 by the name of Jalen Green. Uh the roster on Kentucky, he, there's already four commits there. Things are getting a little crowded, so uh, the Jalen Green is a 
combo guard, like I mentioned, goes to prolific prep out in California. He played on team Why Not this summer on the EYBL circuit, uh, which if you kept up with, that team got second in Peace Jam. And Jalen Green, definitely the best player there. Um, pretty much all the time, he's going to be the best player on the court. And that was – he just tore up the EYBL circuit. And this kid, he's like 6'5", six, 6'6". Six, six. He's a gamer pretty much. He knows when to sit back, distribute the ball to his teammates, but he also knows when he needs to take over. That could be from the three-point line or it could be getting to the rim like he did in the Peach Jam final where he made a contested layup at the end of the regulation to send the game into overtime. Green is a guy who is already on draft boards very high. If Memphis can get him as one of their first commits for 2020, that's just going to be completely huge for Penny. And Green's going to be announcing his commitment on Christmas Day, actually. Uh, And at this point, it sounds like Oregon and Memphis are the final two contenders for Green. Uh, A lot of analysts have Memphis picked as a favorite, but there's also some who have Oregon. So we'll kind of we'll see where that plays out. But in a, another turn of events, Penny also is making a visit out to Nimari Burnett, who is a teammate of Green on both Prolific Prep and Team Why Not. Um, he's another combo guard. He's a little bit shorter, but he's definitely no slouch. Uh, he's ranked the number 22 player in the class of 2020. And there might be something there. I don't know if like a package deal situation, but in his previous cut, Burnett did not have the Tigers listed, but we also had not extended an offer to him yet uh, as of that point. So we'll kind of keep your keep on the pulse for you there and see uh, what happens. Uh, Burnett's a scorer. He got 19 points per game on the grassroots circuit this summer, so he knows how to put the ball in the bucket. Also, Greg Brown, a forward from Texas. Uh, Memphis went and visited him this week. He's a top 10 player in 2020. He's presumably a Longhorn lean, um, but he does have an official visit playing to Memphis the weekend of January 4th, which is when the Tigers play the Georgia Bulldogs at the FedEx Forum. So that'll be a really big game, um, especially with Greg Brown there add a little extra layer of excitement to it. Jane Springer, shooting guard, top 20 player of next year. Uh, He was on campus for his official visit over the weekend. Most people think that he will be going to Kentucky. He is visiting, sorry, not Kentucky, Tennessee. And he is visiting there on October, October 5th. After that, most people suspect that he will uh, commit to Rick Barnes and the volunteers. Speaking locally, One of the very first people that Penny got out to see was West Memphis forward Chris Moore. Uh, He's a four-star guy, not ranked in the top 100 right now, but Penny has been on him for a while. So he could be one of those guys to help uh, rebuild the front court when Wiseman and Precious Achua both leave for the NBA after their loan season in college. Uh, He's going to be making an official visit during Memphis Madness, as will several others. So that'll be a really good time for Memphis fans to come out and show their support. Also, Kennedy Chandler, point guard from uh, Briarcrest. He's only a junior. He played on uh, the champion Mocan Elite in the EYBL circuit this summer. He 
actually pickpocketed and yammed on Jalen Green in the championship game. And I think that showing on the Peach Jam really skyrocketed him in recruiting rankings, quite honestly. He was a four-star player, but now he's listed as a five-star player, top 20 in the class of 2021. Uh, local product, goes to Briarcrest. It'd be super interesting to see uh, what happens with his recruitment. He has literally every big name. Cal's knocking on his door. Calipari, that is. Not University of California. Even though they might actually be on him, too. I don't know. Uh, but we got Duke, Kansas, pretty much any big-name school. They're looking at Kennedy, or they, they have offers out there. He's a very exciting player. Definitely want to catch him if you can. Paulo Banchero is the top-ranked power forward in the junior class. He listed Memphis as a school in his top nine on Friday. Um, he's got visits scheduled for Tennessee, Kentucky, Duke, North Carolina, and Gonzaga. But those are just his junior year visits. He's from Washington, and that's where most crystal balls have him going at this point. And they don't even have a visit for him. or He's not scheduled a visit to there yet, officially. So things are definitely going to change in his recruitment, I think, over the next uh, you know, year and a half. Let's see a couple other guys. Chet Holmgren is a he's a top five player in class of twenty twenty one. He's a bean pole center, and I'm like not kidding when I say bean pole. He's seven foot, but he's like 150 pounds. But he has gone kind of He's gone viral recently with uh, crossing over Steph Curry at one of Steph's camps. So he's got good handles, able to stretch the floor. Obviously, we'd have to put some meat on, but people think very highly of him. And recently in an interview when he was asked who was recruiting him the hardest, Memphis was not listed. But uh, as of this week, according to Stock Risers, Memphis has been in to watch him and might be someone that we really start to focus in on. Also, Penny made a visit to now local product, Musa Sise, who is at Lausanne, top 10 player, power forward in the class of 2021. Coach Cal is already in there too. So that, that will be a very competitive race as well. So a whole bunch going on in Tigers recruiting as guys start to announce some of their commitments. The whole landscape of the recruiting classes change. And as of now, Penny doesn't have any commits for next year. And really, if I am one of the top prospects, that totally makes sense to me. I'm going to be waiting until probably later in the year to give a commitment, especially if I'm really considering Memphis. Because I want to see what Penny does with this incredible recruiting class that he currently has. He really does need to do well this season to gain respect, obviously, among the naysayers who just want to say he can't coach. Well, okay, let's actually find out. And also among players and prospects. They want to see what they're working with as well, know who's going to be coming back to the team. So I really don't blame people uh, for waiting on their Commitments to Memphis, but hopefully, you know, some new names are popping up, and I think that Penny could still put together a really good class, especially depending on who is kind of a leftover from this year. So that about wraps it up. Thanks for hanging with us. 
Uh, go follow us at Backdoor Cut Show. You can follow me at Barnburner Bro. Check out the barnburner.com. All that, that whole recruiting recap is posted there. And go follow us on iTunes, wherever you find your podcasts, at the Barnburner Podcast Network. Appreciate you listening.